Do you want to stop yelling and have your child listen to? Well, I have exciting news for you. If you're hearing this right now, it means that the doors to mindful parenting are open at mindfulparentingcourse.com. This only happens for a limited time, and it may be perfect for you if you want to be that patient, calm parent, but you're afraid of being walked all over, you're losing it, and you want to be that steady, peaceful parent, you don't have a cohesive method, and you take in bad advice like just count to one, two, three. Mindful parenting is an evidence-based system that not only teaches you how to calm your reactivity, but offers you a ton of personal guidance. A lot of other parenting coaches talk about the best way to respond to your child, but guess what? They don't walk you through the research-proven practices that it really takes to create changes that actually last. Mindful parenting teaches you the specific steps to create cooperative, loving relationships for life. In Mindful Parenting, you can learn how to stay calm, even if you find yourself shouting hourly now. Be present for your child no matter what they're going through. Resolve conflicts easily without yelling or taking away the iPad. Set limits without your child resenting you for days afterward. And build trust between you and your child so that you avoid misery in the teen years. The doors are open now at mindfulparentingcourse.com. Unlike other programs in Mindful Parenting, we offer one-on-one coaching to every member and weekly drop-in coaching sessions. Don't wait anymore. You and your kids are worth leveling up. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com and join now before the doors close again. That's mindfulparentingcourse.com. I'll see you there. When I'm triggered, the first thought that takes over my brain in a black cloudy storm is I want to threaten you. And we all have that. I have that as well. And I'm a child psychologist who wrote that book. And so we all have that as default programming. It's upon us to understand that and figure out how we can bring some light into that history and heal it so that in the growing of ourselves, we can show up in a different way for the growing up of our children. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 348. Today, we're talking about raising a spirited child with Dr. Vanessa LaPointe. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of Mindful Parenting, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confidence kids. Hey, welcome back to the Mindful Mama podcast. I am so happy you are here today. Hey, listen, if you haven't done so yet, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of these episodes. And if you have ever gotten any value from this podcast, please do me a favor. Go over to Apple Podcasts, go over to Spotify, leave us a rating and review. It helps the podcast grow more. All of our growth is almost in almost 2 million episodes so far has been organic and it's all due to you. It takes 30 seconds and I truly, truly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Dr. Vanessa LaPointe. She's a mom, a psychologist, parenting educator, best-selling author, international speaker, and founder and director of the Wishing Star LaPointe Developmental Clinic, where she's been supporting families and children for almost 20 years and has previous experience in community mental health and the school system. And we're going to talk about those spirited, challenging kids. (laughs) You know them. Yes, you live with them, probably, as I have. And, you know, I know we like ask ourselves, "Am am I being too tough? Am I being too soft? Am I doing any of this right? You know, we we wonder if we could be doing it better. So Dr. LaPointe is here to help us find balance with some guidance on how to be both firm and kind and listen for some really great news and that it's never, never, never too late to turn it around 
but but we gotta expect some resistance at first. That is part of the deal. So join me at the table as I talk to Dr. Vanessa Lapointe. So you wrote the, this book, Discipline Without Damage, How to Get Your Kids to Behave Without Messing Them Up. So it begs the question, like, let's, let's, let's actually like go slightly dark first. Like, what are the ways that parenting has messed kids up? And I am, I'm very hesitant to ask this because I, I hate like the pressure that we have on parents as far as like, I remember thinking like, you know, in the first three years are so important. Your kids' development. I'm like, oh my God, I messed up my kids forever, right? Is it is it really those first three years where we're like shaping every bit of neuron that they have? Or like, what are what are the things that are damaging that we do want to avoid and, and try to move away from? Or, or maybe that our parents did even. Yeah. Well, let's land first off on a couple of very hopeful pieces. Okay. Number one is that neuroplasticity or the brain's ability to uh, change based on external influence is alive and well across the lifespan. And while it is true that it's easier to get in and make those changes in the early years, kind of zero to eight-ish, we know for the first roughly 25 to 30 years, the brain is in full-on maturation mode and doesn't fully mature until somewhere around the age of 30. So you got some time, just take a big old deep breath. And the second positive is that when we look at a lot of the uh, literature where they, you know, really get into the nitty gritty of coding relational exchanges between parents and their children, the um, bottom line is that even in the best relationships that are playing out exactly in the manner that nature intended, those parents are only on it about 30% of the time. And the rest what? of absolutely. It's a- <laughs> 30% of the time. That's amazing. 30% of the time, dear listener, did you hear that? Wait, just repeat that whole thing again, because that's amazing. So the idea is that babies, infants, toddlers, preschoolers, children, and also spouses, FYI, put out bids for connection. Mm. And when um, a parent responds to the child's bid, that's like a closed circle of interaction. So we've completed the loop. There was a bid and there was a response. In the best parent-child relationship, the bid response dance is... um, Uh, completed only about 30% of the time. Now here's the trick. The rest of the time you're either falling out of connection or finding your way back into connection. The damage, if you will, occurs when you're out of connection and there's no move being made towards reparation. So we're not Mm -hmm. finding ourselves moving back into connection, which segues, um, quite uh, nicely into your question, which really was about what is it that we do that kind of messes our kids up? Like, how do we damage them? And the motivation behind writing that book is that family after family after family after family over my 20-year career has come into the clinic seeking support typically around their children's challenging behaviors. Um, And what I have noticed is it's actually the forms of discipline that parents are coached to use by the dominant pop culture on child raising that in fact end up damaging the child and escalating those challenging behaviors. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is most of those approaches to discipline involve some form of relational disconnect either Mm -hmm. physical and or emotional. So if you think about a timeout, there's a physical disconnect and a relational disconnect. If you think about even things like reward systems, or um, if you don't do this, then I'm going to do this. Or if you you act that way again, you lose ABC, XYZ. And so there's a threat embedded in those, which is a form of relational disconnect. And so the more we throw relational disconnect at our children, the more they are going to actually have to increase their loudness in terms of behaviors of one form or another, because relationship is as essential to their well-being, their healthy development, 
as air. Without yeah. it, the human baby will literally die. So yeah, that- yeah. And there were those, there was that study of like an orphanage and somewhere where after a war where a bunch of babies were put and they were not given that holding and they were given food, they were given all the different things, but they weren't given the connection and they died. That's amazing. So there's so much you said there, Vanessa, that I love so much that is so interesting. And then it really kind of brings me back to like, well, the things maybe that were damaging, right? Like when we think of things that are damaging, we know that things like um, corporal punishment, spanking, hitting children is really damaging for them. And it makes a lot of sense because it's if when the, their whole, you know, developmental modus operandi is connection, right? Because that's how human beings survive in the world is connection. Um, and that's how they learn in the world is connection. And when, when that, that connection to this like loving attachment figure is really broken in such an an intense way. And you're hurt by that figure, then, then that can, and then there's no kind of repair made uh, uh, because the parents think like, I have to do this. I'm in this, I'm scaffolded by this history in this system. And this is what people tell me I should do. Maybe not, not with the spanking or the, the timeouts or whatever, right? Like the softer version of that in the future, then they, they don't, they feel like the child is in the wrong and I am doing this thing to correct the behavior. And so there is no like kind of reconnection afterwards, but it really just kind of creates this, this separation. And so then the child's doing more for attention and connection afterwards. That's what you're saying. Yeah. So they have to escalate in one way, shape or form. And because behavior is the primary mode of communication for the growing child, usually the escalation involves some version of amping up these challenging behaviors. It can also involve, so that would be a child who's acting out, but it can also involve a child who begins to act in. So children who become full of self-loathing, children who believe that Um, they're not worthy of love, they're not worthy of affection, they're not worthy of even just being here on this earth, uh, which then, you know, goes underground and can uh, emerge as anxiety, depression, self-harm, suicidality, those kinds of things. And so we really want to look at what nature intended for children and base our parenting decisions on contemporary science around child development, not on how our parents did it with us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So I want to go there. I want to go to what yeah. are, what should we, should we base it on? But I just want to underscore this because sometimes the, the, the listeners like, yes, sometimes, sometimes you may be listening to this because you had a partner say, honey, listen to this. You got to hear what's what, what Dr. Vanessa and Hunter are saying about this. Like, um, so the things that are, that are damaging, some of the things that are damaging just to kind of like, if we were going to do a bulleted list, like definitely like the spanking, any kind of corporal punishments, you know, the, the research shows that's hugely damaging. What else, if we're just going to kind of say like you, we really need to understand that these things are not going to create better behaved kids. They're actually going to damage your relationship. What are they? So timeouts, removal of privileges, use of reward systems, and the use of contrived consequences. So, okay, yeah, great. So really, okay. anything where, if you want to like boil it down to one thing, uh, which would envelop all of the corporal punishment stuff and all of the stuff that I've just listed off, that one thing that unites all of those uh, forms of discipline is that there's some kind of threat embedded mm-hmm. in them. So when we use threat, I'm going to take this away. This will happen to you if you don't do this for me, whatever it is. When there's some kind of threat involved, then you can um, bet that that's damaging the relationship. And the child will have to then switch over into survival mode. And if you thought it was hard to raise a child before, you just wait till you've got a kid in survival mode. Um, It's going to be a rough ride. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. 
And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly, and smart. I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. We are supported by Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as Math Mysteries About True Histories. It's a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. I highly recommend this podcast. It is really wonderful, especially if you have kids like around like six plus, but it can totally be enjoyed by the whole family. So I listened to the episode, The Pirate Queen, and you're just dropped right in the middle of the action. People are fighting. There's sword fight. And then these kids, they've gone on a time travel mission and they have to solve problems in the midst of it. And it really just like exemplifies everything we support here at Mindful Parenting. You know, kids who are adventurous, doing things on the world, they're capable. And then they do things like they have to do math, they have to think critically, they have to code break and pattern solving and all this great stuff. Beyond just the Pirate Queen episode, which I highly recommend, episodes transport listeners to moments in history, too, like Pythagoras, Ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. So jump in with your family. Follow the adventures of Max and Molly on an adventure through time with puzzles and hidden equations and laughs. And it really does make learning really fun and really cool. Perfect for ages six and up. New episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids, and you can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. That's Mysteries About True Histories. Yeah, yeah. Like if they're in fight, flight, or freeze, but I just want to name right here, like threat is like, that's like my like go-to, right? You know what I mean? Not, Mm -hmm. it's not my preferred go-to, but it's my habit of what I was conditioned to do from my parents and my culture is, is that's the thing. Those are the thoughts that come up in my mind, especially when I'm feeling stuck in my worst moments with my kids. It's like, and I even say it now, sometimes like, I want to threaten you, (laughs) 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 but that's, that's the, it's so embedded in our culture. Like, I just want to name that right here because the, you know, the listener might think, oh my God, I'm a terrible person. I'm threatening. I'm that's, those are the thoughts that are coming to my mind too. So I just want to, it's very, very normal and common. It's so, so common. And I think important, thank you for naming it out loud. It's so important that we land on that for parents uh, because we will parent as we were parented, full stop. It doesn't matter if you have 13 years of post-secondary education and you think you're going to have this parenting thing in the bag and then your babies are born and they make you crazy at times. And your go-to default programming is going to be what um, was embedded in your psyche, if you will, when you were a young child. And by virtue of the fact of where we are in our history, almost 100% of your listeners were raised by parents who would have used some kind of what I'll call behaviorist approach to parenting, which would have involved that sort of threat control thing, not because they were bad parents. That's because that was what was available to them. And actually, if we were going to deep dive into sort of historical context and the proximity to world war and all of those kinds of things, that form of parenting in that day and age, not that it was great for kids, but it made a lot of sense. The challenge is fast forward to present day, we know better. And as Maya Angelou says, we must then do better, right? And we understand that this is not what our children need. And so it's upon us to do two things. One is we've got to grow ourselves. Like we've got to figure out, okay, I got a program that's 
underneath the surface here. How do I know that? Because when I'm triggered, the first thought that takes over my brain in a black cloudy storm is I want to threaten you. Right. And we all have that. I have that as well. And I'm a child psychologist who wrote that book. Right. And so we all have that as default programming. It's upon us to understand that and figure out how we can bring some light into that history and heal it so that in the growing of ourselves, we can show up in a different way for the growing up of our children. And that's when we, you know, I don't know, change the world. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm so with you. It does change the world because what's in the, what's in the micro levels in the macro level, what's in the families in the greater society, the way that we interact with each other in the family is a pattern for the way we interact with each other in society. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I love this so much. <laughs> so yes, the, the default programming. Okay. So we've got this default programming. We see that you know, we don't want to be using threats. We don't want to be using even words yet. We have to get that the five-year-old out of the house and to the bus stop because the bus is going to be there at a certain time. Right. So walk us through, how do we start to turn this, this ship around? And it's such a great question and the timing of it's so perfect because it's usually at this point in the conversation where I can see if I'm doing a workshop or if I'm one-on-one with a, a, a parent that like the, the fear starts to creep. <laughs> okay, but what now? <laughs> what do we do? And so here's the thing. It really is about hitting the balance of being both firm and kind. So when we talk about not using threats, not um, uh, vilifying the child and attempting to control them, that doesn't then mean that we're advocating for what I call flowery meadows parenting, you know, where you just like release them to the flowery meadows and watch them blossom because we know that actually isn't great for child development either. So we need this magical balance of being both firm and kind at the same time. Now, underlying all of that must be the foundation of a very safe, emotionally speaking, a safe parent-child relationship. Mm -hmm. When the child is in right relationship with the parent, a relationship that allows for the child to lean into the parent's guidance and care and to be emotionally at rest, the child will instinctively desire to do the parent's bidding. Does that mean that the child will do the parent's bidding every single time? (laughs) No, no, (laughs) because their minds are not yet fully formed. They're working on figuring out how we get through this thing called life. And so there is going to be ups and downs and hiccups and bumps and all of that kind of stuff. You hold the line. I had a parent yesterday say, well, this all sounds well and good. This of course is on social media, which always is, you know, so much more interesting. Um, this all sounds well and good, but you know, so if your kid's um, pulling on the dog's tail, you just let them keep pulling on the dog's tail. And I was like, is that what you took from this? Like, are you like, are you bigger than your two-year-old? Might you step in between your two-year-old and the dog and very firmly, but with compassion say, this will stop gentle hands. And then if the child is unable to, um, sort of do your bidding in that moment, you take it upon yourself. And this is this is the mind shift that allows people to sort of um, really figure out what the respectful parenting approach is about. Um, you take that on yourself. You understand my child in this moment is unable to do, do my bidding. My child in this moment is unable to understand the rule. My child in this moment is unable to follow through on the rule. And so now I will help my child with that. I will help my child. And that's the key, right? Like I will not, I don't have to make my child, but like as a parent, you know, you're, you're coaching, you're helping these kids who are going to make mistakes and they're going to be annoying and frustrating (laughs) and they're going to like drive you bananas and you're, you're helping to coach them into, you know, 
people who are ultimately adults, right? But I will help my child. I love that you yeah. said that. Yeah. And it's on you as the parent. That's the difference. We don't put it on them. Mm. We don't make them wrong. We mm. hold ourselves accountable to mm. their journey and their development. I love that. I love it. That reminds me, um, who was it? Uh, Hal Runkle said to me in our interview, he said, you are not responsible for your children. You are responsible to your children. Oh, what a beautiful play on words. Yes. That's exactly yeah. at the heart of it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And so this is, I love this idea because you're saying, you know, you have to, you're, you're shifting the expectations, you know, you're saying, expect your child to be immature. That's the definition of a child, right? Like they are immature. Expect mm -hmm. your child to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Expect your child. Sometimes I think a lot of it has to do with our expectations. Like we, like if we say something, it should just happen. You know, that's that, that kind of conditioning that we were given that, that idea that kids should just automatically obey things, but not even, you know, adults don't learn something the very first time we're told something, you know, you don't like learn, dear listener, you don't learn something the very first time you're told it. How many episodes of this podcast have you listened to? Right. Like, <laughs> you, you know, none of us do. And so we can't expect our kids to, right. You're, you're asking the parent to like shift expectations and yeah. shift, shift uh, responsibility. And I to like really that. understand that children, um, we cannot take the expectations that we ultimately have of our children when they become adults. So we want them to be kind. We want them to be uh, grateful. We want them to be generous. We want them to be, you know, polite. We want all of these things, but we can't take those, you know, ultimate outcomes when they become adults. And by downward extension, apply them to the child now because children aren't tiny adults, they're children. And what, you know, if I'm gonna have a grateful heart as a grown up, when I'm 34, that's gonna look one way, but when I'm three, it's gonna look very different. When I'm three, it's gonna look like I'm practicing figuring that out and I'm learning that by seeing my parent model it over and over and over again, that I see my parent living a life of gratitude and I'm just osmotically absorbing that and one day you'll see the fruits of your labors but first you must develop the root system so that they go deep and they're well secured. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. And remember, dear listener, you only have to do this 30% of the time. <laughs> 
You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, mic drop, podcast over. <laughs> no, but it's true because we are really hard on ourselves as parents. We mess up a lot. We're going to mess up a lot, right? Like we're going to, I mean, you've probably threatened. I've probably threatened, oh, right? Like yeah. what are some of the, what are some of the things that you do when you see yourself falling back in habits and, and patterns that you're not particularly proud of, or you don't like? Yeah. And so it's taken me some time. My boys are now 14 and 17 years old. Um, So I've been at this for a little bit of time and I've done a lot of my own growth work during the course of being a parent. And when I start to, to feel that you can feel that heat come up in you. And whilst I still have like one cortical cell online, I try to remove myself from the situation because if we vomit that you know, dysregulation all over our children, we will have a mess to clean up afterwards that's much larger. And so do try to gracefully exit stage left, you know, say you've got to go use the washroom or say you forgot to call grandma or whatever it is, make up some kind of an excuse to get yourself out of the picture so you can begin to take some deep breaths and regulate. But shouldn't, but couldn't we even say like, I'm overwhelmed by this situation and I'm not liking how I'm about to respond to you and I'm out of here. Like, wouldn't that be a good way to, to model healthy emotional regulation? I think um, there's a fine balance to be struck in that because one of the things that can happen is there is a hierarchical ordering to the parent-child relationship and Mm -hmm. not in a yucky way, in Mm -hmm. a compassionate, caring way where parent is here and child is here. And if we look at the idea of the parent um, being the one in the lead and the child being able to lean in when the parents like, ah, I'm really done with you and I'm overwhelmed and I've just got to go take a breath because I don't like what's about to come out my mouth. Then the child's like, whoa, like, okay, are you still there? So there Hmm. can be this um, um, sort of uh, desertion of Hmm. our our swagger and our leadership, if we take Mm. it on that way. Having said that, I think the spirit of what you've just asked is a really wise thing to be thinking about. And uh, certainly in the times when I have lost it on my children and don't think it's always coming up sunshine and roses here because it's not, I wander through the muck of it just like every other human who has ever breathed air and um, raised children. It brings you to your knees. It's truly the most challenging and yet fulfilling thing that I think a human being can take on ever. And so in the moments when I've mucked it up, I'm very clear to come back around to my children and debrief that with them from a position of accountability. I don't ever Mm -hmm. apologize to them because I don't need anything from them. I don't need their forgiveness. And I do want them to understand that that's not the way that I want to do this, that I am uh, thinking through that and endeavoring to be a better version of myself the next time around and for them to be very clear that it doesn't in any way change the way that I feel about them, that I will love them to the end of time. As my friend Maggie Dent says, I love you um, as much as all the hairs and all the bears, all the grains of sand on all the beaches and all the stars in the sky. I'm sure you get the eye roll for that though with your 14 year old. (laughs) Well, they're used to that from when they're little. And even now, like, Certainly there would be the eye roll at this stage, and yet there would be a little glimmer behind it. Yeah, a little. Every now and uh-huh. then I'll, I'll um, go in to say goodnight to my 14-year-old, and we had this hilarious um, bedtime tuck-in rhyme that I used to do with him and his brother when they were much younger that was passed along to me um, from my parents. And he'll mm. sometimes, you know, like he'll look at me like I'm not very cool anymore, but he loves it. Like he, they really do. They have this one arm kind of reaching back sometimes to the, um, you know, security of the childhood while they have this other arm stretching forward into the independence of their Mm. adolescence. Mm. Mm. I love that. So circling back, creating that connection and also what you're describing here are rituals of connection, rituals of voicing, being very clear, and vocal about 
your values and what's important being vocal about, um, I endeavor to be this version of myself. And I wasn't crazy about that version of myself. And and it doesn't change, you know, vocalizing that unconditional love. And what I like about that idea of like, you know, we tend to forget, right? Unconditional love is I love you even when you're acting like a Dumbo. Uh, so, so, so it's really important to reiterate that, you know, it's not, it's not only for your child, but also to remind yourself, right. That, that that's what that love means is that even when they're at their worst, you still love them. Yeah. That we have this phrase that I have long used with my boys, which no matter what you say, think, or do, nothing changes my love for you. And there's mm. something in that. Um, I love how you just said, it, it's not just communicating it to our children, but reminding ourselves of it, both in terms of how we see our children and also how we see ourselves, that we can have unconditional love and grace for ourselves in the moments that we you know, don't really show up. Um, as the parent of the year and have a little bit of a stumble that we can be reminded those, those stumbles and those behaviors, that's not the truth of who we are. The truth of who we are is that we are a loving uh, being full of all sorts of um, good intentions and potential. And we want to honor that in our children and in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. We're a loving being with good intentions and all that stuff in the, you know, with a nervous system of a, yeah. a mammal that evolved to survive in a hunting and gathering society, right. That was yeah. evolved to be on alert for threats and, and, uh, and, and, you know, have that stress response be pretty, very close to the surface a lot of the time, sometimes for us. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, wow. I love this. So what can we do in the early years to start to practice this or to start to turn around a train that maybe, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're, we're currently patterned after the way our parents parented us because we don't know what else to do. What are some of the first steps to start to turn that, that train of disconnection Mm -hmm. around? I think there's, if there was a magical formula, which there isn't, but if there is, um, that it would be that we have to understand uh, a few key things about ourselves as individuals while we come into the world of parenting. We have to understand a few key things about child development and then from there figure out how to step in. So in terms of understanding ourselves, one of the biggest things that I think um, I had to come to terms with and I offer it forward to the clients that I work with now is that my child cannot make me feel anything. So when I'm in the midst of some kind of a trigger or some kind of a a reactiveness, it's not because of my child. My child did not make me feel that because five other parents could be lined up behind me, having their children acting the same way and responding quite differently. One of them might be amused by it. Another might be confused by it. Another might become curious because of it. And I might become reactive because of it. So it's something in me that makes me feel the way that I do. Mm -hmm. Now I've got to sort out what is that? That's the programming. Or as Don Miguel Ruiz refers to it, the domestication, (laughs) right? The domestication. Mm -hmm. The way that we're domesticated. Um, Viktor Frankl said between stimulus and response, there is a space. And that space is what it is to be a parent. (laughs) It's figuring out that between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space is your power, your power to choose, your power to change the course, your power to get curious rather than reactive, your power to know that you have to crack yourself open and really hold yourself accountable to the idea that your child did not make you feel this way. You made you feel this way. And the good Mm -hmm. news in in that is, you then hold all of the power for um, transforming that feeling into something that works for you and for your child rather than against. 
Mm. And what you're describing is you're describing mindfulness, right? Like that's how we grow that muscle, that ability to rest in that space, to make those choices, to, to be able to pause that reactivity train or slow it, slow it down. Um, but I love this idea that, you know, that this sort of radical responsibility and keep going. I wanted to see where you're going with Mm -hmm. this, like this idea that we, you know, if, if we're in a situation, our child can't make us feel things Yeah, At the same time, like there are behaviors that we can, that are, do not meet our needs, right. That aren't acceptable as far as meeting our needs. Like, I don't want you to smash glasses all over the floor, right? Like Mm -hmm. the, you know, if we want to go to extreme there. So, So talk to me a little bit more about this idea. Yeah. And so when we can be the observer of our own mind and we can begin to have that radical accountability for our own patterns of thinking, then we can come to a situation like what you've just described um, or any other of the, you know, multitude of challenging situations that present on a daily basis when you are raising up a human being. We can come to that um, with a perception that will allow us to see our children from the inside out. So rather than coming into that situation and think, I gave you life and this is how you're going to behave. You know, where we have this this idea that they're out to get us or they're manipulating us. And so they then need to be manipulated in turn and in order to have their behavior controlled or whatever it is. You can imagine when you come in sort of front loaded with that kind of perception, that kind of thinking, well, you don't have a fighting chance in terms of being able to enter that situation and respond rather than react uh, in a way that allows for your child to feel emotionally safe. Yeah, yeah, because you're coming into it as a fighter, right? You're coming into it as a boxer. You got the gloves up, you're ready to go, you're angry, and you're not, there's zero curiosity about like, well, maybe there's some, but like, why did you do this? What needs are you trying to meet? What, what's going on? What is the, what is the root of this behavior? So then I can understand and then like kind of coach you to maybe a more positive outcome or whatever, right? You're just, you're, you're, if the, you know, you're part of the equation of the two people creating the fight at this point. That's right. And we've already in that Um, way entered into the situation um, with some pretty negative assumptions about who our children are, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's why it's so important to do that inner work as the parent, because you you have to actually shift it within your being. The doing flows from the being. So if you want to show up differently and do differently, everybody always says, Dr. Vanessa, what do I do when? If you want to show up and do differently, you must first shift the being. The doing flows from the being. That's why the mantra in Discipline Without Damage is you see it, you see what's going on, you feel it for your child from the inside, and you also feel it for yourself from the inside, and then you be. You allow the being to just sort of open up and the doing flows from the being. And then we go to sort of the second step of the equation, right? So we've, we've addressed the idea that we must um, transform ourselves along this journey. Uh, and then we have to understand who our child is. And that's a little bit about understanding some of the very sort of basic principles of child development. Things like kids need connection more than they need anything else. Things like uh, we have to have reasonable expectations of our children. Four-year-olds don't share. They just don't. I mean, sometimes because it's all going really smoothly, you'll see that they're happy to give another child their toy, but it's not because they know how to share. They don't have that part of their frontal lobe developed just yet. That'll come online in the next year to three years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're raising a sociopath when your four-year-old does not share. No, but if I had a dollar for every time a parent says to me, I think I'm raising a sociopath, (laughs) I'd be a very wealthy woman because we get freaked out about those kinds of things. But when we can put it into the light of child development, we see, okay, that's just normal. 
-hmm. We just understand that. And then the other piece of it is to understand who your child is. Because I have two boys cut from the same cloth who could not be more different from one another in terms of how they were wired, their temperament, their personality, how they showed up in the world. And so I really had to calibrate the way that I um, navigated life alongside them uh, quite differently because the one boy would have become completely undone had I navigated things the same way that I had for his brother, who sort of was able to kind of, you know, uh, roll with the punches a little bit um, uh, more easily than his brother did. Well, this brings to mind, like, you know, kids who are spirited, kids with ADHD, kids with autism. A lot of times parents come to uh, like mindful parenting and they say, you know, what about kids? And, and the, the kind of parenting you're describing where you're saying, taking responsibility for yourself, look at your kids, move away from this behaviorist uh, paradigm that's actually damaging your kids. They want to know, does this kind of thing, does this work for my spirited kid, for my kid with ADHD, uh, for my kid who may be on an autistic spectrum? What, what is your answer to that? My answer is not only does it work for those children, it's essential. Yeah. When you are growing an exceptional child who's uh, born under a different star, <laughs> on their own developmental path that is, um, you know, unique to that of maybe the majority of their peers. When you are raising an exceptional child, it demands that you step into an exceptional version of yourself. And so not only does it work, it is actually essential. And when we look at um, particularly the emerging, the very sort of most current uh, research in terms of effective interventions for things like autism, what we are seeing is that they're all shifting away from that behaviorist approach that would have been, you know, very dominant 20 years ago, 10 years ago, okay, even right now, they're shifting away from that approach into relationally rich approaches, things like um, the uh, Greenspan uh, DIR floor time program um, or other kinds of programs that are about um, uh, gifting the child the experience of being co-regulated through a healthy relationship and then generalizing from those experiences to the rest of life. A very different approach than the behaviorist approaches of days gone by. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen that from my own experience too, where parents you know, would have exceptional kids and they would go to a school and the school would say, do this behaviorist kind of thing. And it would be blowing up in their faces. Yeah. And then they'd come to me and I'd say, well, let's try this other thing. Yeah. And it would be, it would help, it would help the kids, you know, and it, it really all comes back to this relational experience where humans are, we are not uh, behaviorist automatons, we are, we are in relationship with another human being. And we have to bring this kindness and curiosity and all that to that, that human being. If you think that if we, the parents think that if we're worried that our relationship has become damaged by our discipline tactics, what are some ways to reconnect, reestablish that, that close bond? Yeah. And so, uh, first of all, welcome to the club. <laughs> Before you get too down on yourself and get too, um, you know, awash in guilt, recognize that you're in really good company. Ironically, I think the parenting industry has been a big part of that over the last 20 years because parents have come into a lot of kind of, you know, it's challenging to find your way through the land of Dr. Google when you're trying to figure out what's the right thing to do for your child. And so I think the place to start is to know that if you've been over-functioning on the behaviorist side of things, you need to begin by over-functioning on the other side. And so to begin, it's going to be a lot of uh, finding ways to say comfortable yeses 
which doesn't mean you're erasing all of the boundaries because that would actually be terrifying for your children, but you're finding ways to sort of show up with a lot of kindness that you're making their favorite meals, that you're um, joining with them in the activities that are interesting to them, that you're really taking time, just as you would with another adult where you were keen on building a relationship with them. You're taking time to have your child feel seen and heard. You know their likes, you know their dislikes, you know uh, the kinds of things that make their world go round and you move in quietly but swiftly to make all of that kind of uh, feel like it's readily available to them and initially if you've been very behaviorist in your approach you can expect your children to be like wait wait what what's happening here and yeah, they're going to continue having resistance because they're in the habit of having resistance to all the things you've been saying. And they're not going to trust you. Yeah. So they're not going to trust that this change is real. They might even get a little louder and bash into the boundaries a little bit um, more because they're like, are you for real? I'm just going to mm -hmm. check that out. Right. And so expect that it can get a little bit worse before it begins to get better. And just know that that's a sign that it's working that you're on the right path. Um, and then once you've got the relationship, so now what we've got is a child who feels safe to lean into the care and provision of their big person. And once we've got that safety established, then we can start to sort of push forward again in terms of, you know, expectations and that kind of stuff. But you've got to go easy right out of the gates if you have a history of being highly behaviorist with your children. Certainly, um, you would want to immediately stop any kind of discipline tactic or approach that in, involves the kind of stuff that we've been talking about. You, you do not want to uh, threaten or harm your children physically. You don't want to threaten or harm them emotionally. And you don't want to use any kind of threats to control their behavior. So you're going to stop all of that immediately. And your kids actually might be a little confused. Some kids get upset. They're like, what do you mean I don't get computer time for taking the trash out? Mm. right so they're upset about that and you're just going to respond like it's Tuesday you're going to be like oh yeah because we're not doing that anymore but don't worry because I've got it all set up for you to have computer time tonight and it's all sorted out here's how it's going to go you're going to get half an hour at seven o'clock and it's going to be awesome soft fun and guess what we're having for dinner you're not even going to believe it spaghetti and meatballs your favorite <laughs> So you just carry on like you're telling them the sun is shining there's there's nothing unusual about that yeah, you're allowed to change your mind. You're, especially if you're moving towards more positive, research proven, more positive results that are going to actually leave you with a more positive relationship in the future. You don't need to explain everything no. to your kids or feel bad about making a change. Yeah. And in fact, when we attempt to explain that all to our children, we actually do ourselves a disservice. Because then it's like we're making excuses or we're trying to fill in or we're trying to convince them. When somebody mm -hmm. who's a true leader and has really decided this is how I will go, I'm not explaining myself to you. Mm -hmm. And not from a place of being against you. I'm not explaining myself to you from a place of being for you. This is how we will go. I know it's confusing and this is what we will be doing. I love this idea that uh, the this what you're modeling this stepping into your leadership and mm. and because yeah that does provide kids a sense of safety like boundaries and edges and those firm kind boundaries they provide kids a sense of safety we don't want to be saying yes to them constantly no you know we have to have those boundaries and we don't have to explain them all <laughs> yeah it, I mean it's alarming to them when we're constantly explaining because it means we're not really in the lead it's um the energy that you and I are talking about right now it's what I call having swagger say it again what I call having swagger swagger oh that's you know? cool well, you, I call it like the mountain energy. Like I am yeah. solid, like a mountain. Mm -hmm. I love it. <laughs> it's a swaggering mountain. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is so beautiful. I, I, this is so helpful. I know this is, you know, we, 
it's, it takes different voices explaining things in different ways and understanding. And, and for you, dear listener, I hope that you are connecting with Vanessa's voice and the way that she is, um, is explaining this in a really beautiful way. Cause I am really connecting with it here. Absolutely. I, I could probably talk to you about this for so long. We could probably sit like at a cafe and talk for five hours. Um, but we can't, um, what, what have we missed? You know, we're talking about this shift. We're talking about changing minds. What have we missed for the person maybe who's, you know, who's, who's, who's on, who's, who's saying yes, yes, but I don't know. What have we missed Mm -hmm. anything? You know, I think we've covered a lot of the big pieces and what I would say uh, to the listener who this might be sort of new and novel and they're, they're feeling a little unsure about how to begin. I would say a couple of things. It's never ever too late to get started. Even if you're listening as a grandparent, it's not yes. too late. It's definitely not too late. So it's never too late to get started and just take a baby step. You know, low and slow is what's going to win the race. And if you begin as you wish to go, even if it's just one baby step, where you take that initiative to really see and hear your child sometime between when you're listening to this and when they go to bed, or if they're already in bed when you're listening to this, that you take that initiative sometime tomorrow morning within an hour of breakfast to just really spend a moment so your child gets to bask in what it is to be seen and heard, and then see what happens from there. Just a baby step. That's all it takes to get started. Mm, I love that baby step. That's wonderful. I'm uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be jumping into that. Uh, that's one of my favorite steps, parenting steps to take. And I'm j- jumping into this after this call with my 14 year old who's on the hammock outside the window. <laughs> <Came over. laughs> um, Vanessa, this has been such a pleasure and a joy to talk to you. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom, your leadership, and your your voice with the uh, with us and here at the podcast. Where can people find out more about you and continue the conversation? Yeah, so Dr. Vanessa Lapointe, drvanessalapointe.com is my website. I have lots of blog articles and other things up there. I'm very active on um, Facebook and Instagram and on TikTok nowadays. Uh, And of course, I have two books, Discipline Without Damage, being the one that we've spoken about, and Parenting Right from the Start, which is a book for parents, primarily of young children, in terms of beginning the journey of what it is to be a parent. Well, thank you so very much. And, and I just, it's been a pleasure. I, I wish you the best. And dear listener, go check out Dr. Vanessa LaPointe. And, and I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. It's absolutely been my pleasure. Hey, what an awesome episode. I would love to hear your ahas. Listen, if you loved this episode, please do me a favor. Share on your Instagram stories and tag me at Mindful Mama Mentor. And while you're there, you might as well follow me and fill your feed with some awesome mindful parenting inspo gonna scroll anyway scroll for some good stuff right and i'm wishing you a great week i'm so thank you so much for listening and i really appreciate your time okay listen next week we are going to have an awesome awesome episode about your relationship with your parenting partner and your couples keeping it together keeping it good after kids so this was like one of my favorite episodes so stick around come back on tuesday And we will be here for you. And yeah, thank you so much for listening, my friend. I'm so glad to connect with you. And I wish you peace and ease and joy and presence in this week. Talk to you soon. Namaste. definitely do it it's really helpful it will change your relationship with your kids for the better it will help you communicate better and just I'd say communicate better as a person as a wife as a spouse it's been really a positive influence in our lives so definitely do it I'd say definitely do it it's so worth it the money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and 
not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it, who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clarkfields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship, not only with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.